Good morning, guys. Uh, welcome to another podcast of Parade the Elephant, looking at the book of James this morning, chapter one. As part of the Parade the Elephant podcast series, we are not just talking about certain subjects. We are looking at a whole variety of issues, Bible teaching, prophetic words. We will be addressing some of the elephants in the room, some of the harder topics and things to discuss. And even in tomorrow's podcast, we will be looking at sex and sexuality from the book of Romans. But today we're going to look at faith. Uh, faith, if we are honest, can be consistent or ambivalent. I was just explaining to our guys here the, the meaning of those two words in English, to be consistent or ambivalent. Uh, James, in the book of um, James, is writing to people who have been set apart for God. They have been scattered among the nations as missionaries. So I particularly like this opening letter. And I'll read it to you. It says, greetings, my name is Jacob. Actually, his name was Jacob. The Aramaic name is not James, it's Jacob. But for some reason, it has been placed in the Bible as James, okay? But when I say Jacob, I mean James, because in your Bible, it will say James. My name is Jacob, and I'm a love slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all the 12 tribes of Israel who have been sown as seeds among the nations. What does yours say, Colinto? It reads, James, a servant of God, yeah. and of the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Scattered, yeah. That's, yeah. So scattered or sown. The picture is of seeds being sown into different nations. So when Jesus died and resurrected and then he went to be with his father in heaven again, the church went under serious persecution. There was great persecution to the faith, to the Christian faith. There was an attack. Um, some of the attacks were severe and heavy. And many of the believers, they were scattered into different nations around the world. Okay. But what the enemy saw as a victory for causing the church, the people, to run into different nations to escape the persecution, God saw as his pre-prepared plan to sow seeds, missionaries, into other nations of the world. Okay? So I believe me, my family, my children, we have been sent here as a seed into Malawi. And of course, there are Malawians even in the UK that God has sent to the UK as missionaries. So they have been sent as a seed. So we are to see ourselves as seeds wherever we are. If we are believers, we are either missionaries or we are a mission field. We are representing Jesus in the field that he has placed us. So Chitezi, Lilongwe, it is a field for God. It is a harvest Field. So the Bible says that the harvest is plentiful. There is a big harvest of souls to be saved. But the Bible says the laborers are few. So pray that there would be more laborers. So we are inviting people to come and labor here with us. There is even discussion now with me and my friend who is an um, evangelist in the UK. 
He has a big ministry. He travels a lot, especially the UK. He's very big in the UK. Uh, and he's discussing with me coming here, maybe September, we are planning now, to do some crusade. So he has been to Ethiopia, he's been to different countries, America, and he likes to preach the gospel so much. He is a gospel preacher. He goes into the streets of London with his team. They do training, they do evangelism, they preach. They see people healed, they see people delivered, they see many people saved. He's a good friend of mine, and so he wants to come here and be a seed so that he might win some harvest for Jesus Christ and help us. Amen? So verse 2 says, My fellow believers, when it seems... So these are believers he is writing to. He is not writing to the lost. He is writing to believers like you and me. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience great joy. In other words, when you are experiencing hard times, when life is hard, when your faith is being tested, when you are being even maybe persecuted, see this as an opportunity for joy. Now, I don't know about you, but it is not natural to me to see pain and suffering as joy. It's not normal. It's not natural. If I am being pressed by the devil, like sometimes with my sleep, the devil knows I need my sleep. And if I have a few days of broken sleep, it becomes, I become weary. I become easier probably to attack because when you are tired, you don't fight so strong, okay? And the devil does not immediately destroy somebody with a, an attack against them. He can often be very subtle, doing something in the background of your life so as to prepare an attack, to weaken us. He sets us up. And for me, I've learned he tries to get me with sleep. So two hours is not enough for me. But sometimes I have two days, three days, where there's just two hours, three hours. And then I don't want to miss this, so I'm pushing in. And I'm, like this morning, I was very tired. So we have to build a strong faith because if, especially as leaders, if we are inconsistent with our leadership, if people are looking at us and relying upon us to take their faith and encourage it, to take their life and build it, help them, grow them, if we are inconsistent, they will be inconsistent. Because leaders lead by example. And so Friday I was feeling very sick. But I said, I have to be there. I'm not sick to the point of dying. I can push through. My, my mind was saying, just lay in bed. The guys will do the service. Everything is fine. And it would have been fine. But the church is still young. And I knew we had some visitors that I had not recognised. The women. And imagine... If they were coming because they want ministry training and they were coming to assess and then the leader is just showing some weak faith. I think it would have maybe made them question, is this the place for me? And so it doesn't mean that from times we might have to miss, but we must try to be consistent. Okay, 
with everything we're doing, and I'm not preaching this because any, any reason, because any per- person missed something, this was prepared even three or four days ago. But we must be consistent. There must be a consistency in our faith, a quality of faith. And we build consistent faith through the word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing the word of God. So we build our faith by prayer. We build our faith by regularly joining together, encouraging one another. One time, Ruth may be struggling like the situation with court. We came around her as a church. We prayed, we served, we drove her to the courtroom. We do what we can to help each other be strong. Amen? So consistent faith is so important for us as leaders and as the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, Paul uh, James carries on and says, For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you. When your faith is tested. So faith, how could Regina prove that she has faith unless there is a testing against her faith. So tests, when they come, opportunities to be um, weak or to be afraid or to quit, to give up, they will come every day. Every day there will be an opportunity for us to lose faith. Sometimes when I look at my situation with my son Callum and I'm saying, God, the prophecy said this, that if I went to Malawi, you would do this with my son. You have promised, but right now I'm not seeing it happening. So there is prophecy that has come true and there is prophecy that has not come true yet. Every day, especially if my son messages me and he says, why are you there? I'm struggling, I'm missing you. And then Manny is crying at night saying, where is my brother? Sometimes he cries so hard that I'm trying to stop crying because he is so sad and I'm now sad. And I have to stand before God and say, God, this is a test for my emotions. This is a test for me as a father. I know all of you will have your own tests (coughs) and sometimes you will share them and other times you are not sharing them. They are things that you are wrestling with in secret. They are fears in your heart. There are doubts. There are disappointments. Every one of us face this. And that's why we have the Bible. Because these people that were in other nations running from the persecution, James, Jacob, he knew they need strengthening. So we have the scriptures. When we read the scriptures, when I read this, looking at this missionary letter, written to missionaries and I am here as a missionary and I can see that James knew they were being tested he knew that they were struggling he knew that they were wavering in their faith they were going back and forward with their faith he wrote a letter and that letter is still here today for us to read and to be encouraged and strengthened by it okay You know that when your faith is tested. So in other words, when our faith is tested, there is an opportunity for this test 
to stir up the power of God in us. When I had this insomnia for six weeks last time and I was fighting with the witches in the night and I was praying for the Guliwan Guru, I, I had a burden to see them born again. And every night I was having one hour sleep, two hours sleep, waking up. I was on the floor in my bathroom, worshiping and praying. Sometimes I was nearly crying because I was so tired and so frustrated. It was a heavy attack. But I chose in that moment to let the power of God stir up in me. So I became more aggressive in prayer. I became more authoritative in prayer. I decided I'm either going to lose this fight, and I've lost many of them in the past, or this one I'm going to win. And I was determined I'm going to win this fight. At the end of the six weeks, 34 young men and women from the Guliwan Guru witchcraft, they came, they gave their lives, we baptized them, and I think 90% of them are still with us. Okay? They are now in our leadership, young youth. They are in our choir. Some of them, they are in the drama team. Some of them are in our football team. Others, they are in our mentoring program. They are connected because there was a fight in the spirit for their salvation and for their eternal life. And we won a great victory together as a church. It's not just me. I had the fight through the night, but now Charles is meeting with them for football and for pastoring them. Colinto is meeting with them. You women are meeting with them to encourage their faith. Lydia is encouraging them. So now we have come around them to keep them strong in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So there is a fight. There is a battle. There is a fight for our children. The devil wants to take out the children. The devil wants to take out their minds. He wants to make them think less than who they are in God. Right now I'm preparing a series. I'm gonna write, I'm gonna preach this one called The Divine Origin. Looking at the original plan of God for your life, for my life. Looking at the original plan of God for sex and sexuality. Because we see now homosexuality, lesbians, men with men, women with women. We see pornography, we see adultery, there is so much lust that I was having food with my family yesterday at the chicken place in game. And you see the TV with the music. And I looked at it because the song, the music was nice. And then I looked at the video and I saw the African women there. It was the same as America and the UK now. The way they are dancing, the way that they are dressing. Sex and even pornography. This is a form of pornography. It may not be complete sex and nakedness, but it is designed to arouse, especially men, to make it all so sexual. And, and this has been a burden for me for years. So God is putting me on a journey looking at the, the original design of God for sex is pure. It is for marriage, it is for procreation, it is for family development, it is for building the community. But the devil has come in and he is robbing and stealing and lying. Amen? Amen. And so there is an inconsistency in the church for sex and sexuality. There is an inconsistency with marriage. 
There is an inconsistency with prayer. Sometimes people are praying, sometimes they are not praying. Sometimes they are reading the Bible, sometimes they are not reading the Bible. If we are not consistent in the word of God, we will lose much faith and much territory for Jesus. We have to be consistent. There has to be a daily bread, daily. So Lydia, because of the children and stuff, other times she can be distracted. So sometimes she would read the Bible and in one or two days where she had not picked up the Bible, maybe she's listening to a podcast, maybe she's listening to worship. But I said, Lydia, you have to pick up the Bible every day. Build a daily prayer life and a daily word life. So now you're seeing her more and more in the morning, sitting outside, she's trying to build now. Feed the children, do the homeschooling with the children, but find the time in the day. For some, it will be early in the morning. For some, like me, as well, late at night. Lydia is asleep, the children are asleep. I will either sit in here or sit in my bed. Last night at one o'clock in the morning, I was making notes, writing these things. God was speaking to me. I was very, very tired, but God said something and I did not want to miss it. So I began to write and I had all these revelations was coming to me in the night. And we have to be ready to respond to the word of God. Amen? Okay, let me read a bit further. So we are being tested in our faith. It stirs up power so that we would endure. So that we would endure the test. You understand that word endure? If we endure something, we are pressing through it. Jesus endured the agony of the cross. The Bible says, can you only imagine if Jesus was inconsistent at the cross? Can you imagine what life would be like now and what eternity would look like for us if Jesus had not endured the agony of the cross, the suffering of the cross? He was consistent from his raising as a child to his final breath as a human being, a man on the earth. He was consistent with his faith, consistent with his love, consistent with his forgiveness. Sometimes the church has been forgiving. Other times the church is not so forgiving. Sometimes the church is full of love and we have love in the church. And then you see the church begins to go off course and becomes hardened and religious. We're experiencing around us here some religious churches right now, religious mindsets. So there is an inconsistency in today's church. Imagine if the church today was consistent with the preaching of the real gospel and we were not preaching as some are preaching for money or for reputation or for personal agenda. Imagine if every Christian was preaching the real gospel. Imagine if there was a consistency of the real gospel, healing, deliverance, signs and wonders, discipleship. We was consistent in preaching all around Malawi. Malawi would look very different right now. Malawi would be so different. Every time I'm driving past this police at the bottom of the road near Gateway, there is the, the police block. Three times now, the same policeman, he's waved me over. I've stopped, he said, ah, some sub, some money. And three times I've looked at him. One time I was angry with him. I said, no, earn your money, like I'm earning my money. 
you're not to uh, you're not to ask me for money. You shouldn't be begging me for money. Who are you to beg me for money? You know, and I challenged him. He could have arrested me, but I was prepared to fight for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I would be prepared to go to prison in this country. I will not waver. If they tell me, stop preaching this message or you go to prison, then I will preach in the prison like Paul. We have to be consistent. And I am preaching this because there has been many, many, many times when I have not been consistent. I have been ambivalent, mixed feelings, mixed emotion. I have fought one thing and I've even preached one thing, but I have lived a different way behind the doors. So I want to be consistent here in front of the church and behind my bedroom door, behind my marriage door, behind my personal life. There has to be a consistency in what we believe, in how we think, and in how we respond to the tests of life. Amen? Okay. If the Bible says we endure these things, what happens? It says, as endurance grows stronger... We build muscles. Do you know Paul, who has just left for the UK? Everybody in the UK, his family, are saying, what's happened to you? Because when he came here, I don't know if you remember, the face was very fat. Yeah. And when he left here, the face was different. His, everything was changed because of the training and the gym. He lost some weight. He has more to go, more weight to lose, but he has really made a big difference in his physical appearance, okay? Because he endured the training. When he wanted to give up, I kept saying, more, come on, more. You hear me when I'm training them? Because if you let people give up when they feel like giving up, they will never build a big muscle. They will never build faith. So that's why the church and James is writing to us because these people were ready to give up. And the letter came from the Lord through James, but by the Holy Spirit, because he could see my people are ready to give up. Let me write to them and say, do not give up. Be strong. Keep enduring. When we feel like giving up, we just turn to the word of God and it feeds me. It feeds you. It gives you some strength, some power, some wisdom, some revelation. And we go again for another day. And then that day might be a good day. The next day could be a good day. And then Thursday comes and the devil hits or the problems in the marriage or the problems in the finance and you feel weary. And then you strengthen again, you endure again. But what happens in these times, as you are enduring, you are building the faith muscle. You are building your spirit. You are strengthening your character. You are overcoming things that used to overcome you. There are things that now I can overcome that they used to overcome me. I would be drowning in these things. Me and Kalinto have been talking about other things from our pasts and both discussing how things used to strangle the life out of us. Amen. And now we are strangling the life out of them. These things, these enemies, whether it be from the devil or just the trials of life. The devil is not everywhere. Jesus is omnipresent. The devil is not omnipresent. Jesus has more than enough angels. The devil does not have enough demons for everyone on the planet. There are 7 billion people. There are not enough demons for everybody to be possessed. The devil cannot be everywhere at one time. 
So he might attack you one day and then moves off somewhere else to find somebody else, okay? Because he likes to destroy as many lives as he possibly can. But as we develop endurance, as, like now, Charles, after seven or so months of being born again, if I had left from, for the UK after one month of Charles being born again, I'm not sure his faith would have been able to stand because he's a new Christian. The same way my children, some of them are ready for more tasks than others. Emmanuel gets up in the morning, he makes himself breakfast. He, he, I'm teaching him about, I'm saying, look at Trinity, look at these children. They are doing these things at the same age as you. Stop being lazy, you do. Because in England, we have spoiled our children by letting them, we do everything for the children until they are 18 and then they leave home or they stay at home or, and we do everything for them so they become so weak. We are producing weak children, which means we have weak men and weak women. But here I'm saying, look, Trinity can carry this, you can carry this. Trinity can make food, you can make food. So we are helping them to grow. Now, Emmanuel enjoys getting up in the morning, makes his breakfast, goes and plays. I'll be in my bedroom reading or praying or sometimes sleeping. And we are developing him. But I cannot let Samara do this. I cannot let Sammy do it. She is still a baby. She is not ready for that kind of weight and endurance. The same way with Charles, but now, if I go back to the UK now, I am confident. Even last time I was concerned when I was leaving because five months he had been born again and I knew that there was work to do and things. And I was thinking, oh, I don't want him to have too much pressure, but he came through strong. And now I could go back to the UK. Uh, I'm not worrying if his faith is going to fall down. He is now standing, the roots are in the ground. But there are people in the church who have been a Christian for 50 years. They have no roots. Everything knocks them off their feet. Everything. One problem, they fall down crying. Oh God. Where is the strength and the enduring of the church? Where is the consistency? Okay. So we are encouraging faith that endures. Faith that can stand against the test of the devil and just the trials of life. And it says that if we keep enduring, so if there is a consistency of enduring, every time trouble comes, we endure, we grow, we move forward. Then another thing hits, boom. We endure, we grow, we move forward. Within one year, if we keep on enduring and growing and standing in faith and believing and trusting our God, Watch what happens to your character and to your personal development in just six months or one year. You will be a different woman or man of God. If over time we keep overcoming these problems and we stand in the word and we hold on to the truth and we do not run away when persecution comes, but we run to one another. We run to Jesus. We come together as the church. We help each other. It doesn't mean that you cannot be honest and say, I'm struggling with my faith. Nobody is going to say, ah, oh, where is your faith? Why are you not enduring? That is you enduring. If you are admitting you're struggling, but you are admitting it to the right people, to the church, not to the people in the world or to the witch doctors. We see women coming here who say that they are Christians, 
but last week they went to the witch doctor because they have no roots. So they get hit, they run to anybody for help. The devil will give them an opportunity for a curse. Come to my witch doctor for your healing. And then they are cursed because they've opened their life up to the devil. So, but I know the people in this room, I know Sister Gertie would not go to the witch doctor. Sister Ruth is not gonna go to the witch doctor. I don't know about the past, but I know now. They would say, no, we stand strong. So if you're struggling, you can confess the struggle to the Lord and to the church, to your leaders. But then that is you having prayer support, encouragement from the word, and you overcome, you get through it. You don't have to get through it by yourself. You just have to get through it. Amen? You don't have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death by yourself. You can walk hand in hand with a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord. You just have to keep walking. Somebody said once, if I'm going through hell, and the preacher said, well, keep on walking. Just keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop in hell. Keep walking through. Get out the other side. Come out on the other end of this thing. I'm going through a valley. Just keep on walking. Keep walking because there is a mountain at the other end of the valley. And when you're at the top of the mountain, you can see everything clearly. Don't quit. Don't give up. Be consistent. So now I'm preaching this message, there will probably be an opportunity for somebody this week to quit. Because the devil will test the message. Do they believe it? Are they genuine? Are they for real? Okay? So be aware of what the devil is doing and see it. See trials. See tests. See these moments. There is an opportunity to find a joy in that darkness, in that pain, in that suffering, in that struggle. There is even the opportunity to find joy. Like Peter, uh, Paul had joy in prison. He rejoiced and he praised God in prison. If we were in prison for our faith, not for crimes, but can you imagine if the police came now and took some of us here and we were in prison, there was not enough food, it was not nice conditions, we were surrounded by people who hated God and loved the devil, it would be an opportunity for us to, to be small and to struggle and to cry. But could we be like Paul and could we be like Peter, sorry, who when Peter and Silas were in prison, the Bible says that they rejoiced. They sang hymns. They sat. We sing the hymns round the fire. Could we sing the hymns in prison? With the same passion and with the same faith and with the same love. When you're going through trials in your marriage or with your children or there is malaria and one has been healed, but the other one has not been healed. This is my burden right now. I'm saying, God, we have now had, I think, five people of testimonies being healed of malaria. Binwell here is one of them. He was healed overnight of malaria. Trinity, she didn't get healed straight away. Betha got healed straight away, yeah? The woman with the child out there was healed straight away. We've heard the testimony this week. You have been healed of asthma, but you had asthma a long time, and prayer, no healing. Prayer, no healing. Prayer, no healing. But suddenly the miracle came. But you kept on believing. You endured, you built your resilience, you kept strong, you trusted your God. 
My mum is in a wheelchair. Well, she's now lying in bed. She does not leave the bed because of the disease in her body. The muscles have wasted. There is no power in the muscle at all. She can hardly lift her own arms. She cannot walk. She cannot um, feed herself. She has to have a maid, a nurse feeding her. My mum is desperately sick. But if you ask my mum, is Jesus going to heal you? Yes, he is. She believes, she holds on, she keeps strong. She has not lost her faith. She has lost um, peace sometimes. She has had days of great suffering, crying, even times when she said, I wanted to take my life. I want to go. If you ask my mum now, would you like to die today? She'd say, yes, please, please, please. She just wants to go and be now with the Lord to end the suffering that she's in and just to be with Jesus. But if you ask her, have you lost your faith? Where is your God now? Is your God real? She would fight for her God. She would say to anybody, this may look like I am in a mess, but my God is still faithful and my God is still real. She will not deny Jesus Christ. She is an inspiration to me. She will not deny Jesus. She says, there is things I do not understand. There are things I do not understand why I am going through this suffering for so many years. I cannot answer all of the questions to tell you why. But one thing remains, my faith in Jesus. I am saved by grace. I will be in heaven. I will have a new body. I will have a new mind. I will have a mansion and I will not need a carer because I will be running around the streets of gold. She has faith that has remained. She has stood strong through the most difficult of situations. Amen? And if my mum can do that, suffering the way she is physically and even mentally, this disease affects the mind. So some days she can even be losing the mind and then she will fight and get the mind back again. And there is a battle for my mum. Okay, so please, I ask you all to join us in prayer for my mum, Janice. And I'm going to encourage her to listen to this podcast as well, because this hopefully will encourage her that she has stood strong. So some of you, you have lost loved ones. Binwa, just yesterday, he was at the funeral of his uncle who has died young. Too young, okay? So the family, they may be questioning, where is God? What has happened? What is going on in life? Some of you, you have had prophecies and promises. Some of you, you have lost husbands or wives. You have lost children, family. And I am not saying we are supposed to say everything is easy. Jesus said, in this world, there will be many troubles. But take courage, be strong. I have already overcome the world. Amen. Do you know what gets me through the days when I am missing my son Callum so much? That is my biggest weakness, my struggle. Because I can feel guilty as if I've left him when I know I'm just following the call of God. So I'm being obedient to God, but at the same time, my 14-year-old son does not always understand that. He half gets it. Sometimes I send him a picture of a child here sick and the difference we are making and he can understand. But of course he's missing his family, his father, his stepmom, his brothers and sisters. And sometimes his mum can be, Callum is crying for you and that makes me feel so sad. And sometimes I have to go into my bedroom and I shut the door and you do not see me, but I'm crying into my pillow. What gets me through that is I know 
that because of that sacrifice and because of that obedience to God, there will be thousands upon thousands of people in heaven saved and born again because we did not quit. And my son Callum will be with me in heaven where I will have an eternity to be with him. But here on the earth, we have one life. And it's not that we are rejecting our children for the call of God. We never reject our children for the call of God. But he's still my son. I'm trusting my God with him. I'm believing God's plan for his life. When I'm seeing my son, we have amazing times together. And because of that sacrifice, many now are being saved here. They are being healed. People are being set free from demons, from the oppression of the witchcraft. Why? Because as a family, we are saying, God, we will not give up. God, we will be strong. We will press in. We will endure. We will not quit. We will trust you. Yesterday or the day before when we had no money and very little food. What gets me through is I know we still have more than most people here in this country. And so I say to my wife, we should not be complaining that we do not have the food that we want when we have food that we need. It might not be the food we want, but it is the food that will keep us alive. And so we should not be complaining. And I'm learning, I'm having to learn as well to die to myself as a missionary. I'm used to having McDonald's, Indian food, Chinese food, whatever I want, whenever I want. That's what I've been raised with. And so of course, when you have been like that for 30 something years, you are familiar. Like the, the standards of the house, sometimes like in England, we do not have the termites coming through and we do not have so much because they have been built stronger. We do not have rats in our loft. Like I have a rat living in my loft here, making noise at night. We do not have that in the UK, very rarely. It can happen, but it is very rare because the houses are built differently. Everything is built stronger, okay? And so we have to learn to endure a new culture, a new people, a new language. Sometimes I am craving for fellowship with a Musungu so that I'm talking fluently and not thinking, are they understanding this? So that, you know, we are always having to think, am I doing this right? Am I upsetting somebody here because we do it in this way in England, but they do it this way here? I'm, I'm always thinking, overthinking, because you're aware you are living among a people that are not your natural born people, amen? So there is endurance. Missionaries have to endure. When I preach now to churches about being missionaries or the mission field, as an ex more now experience in my life, I will be able to tell them, you have to learn to endure. You have to learn to endure the blackouts because ESCOM, they are always failing. You have to learn to endure being bite, bitten, um, itching most days, Some, somewhere there is an itch. My son last night, Emmanuel, was crying because so many bites and they were itching him. So I'm putting cream on. I'm praying for him. In England, I don't have to worry about those things. I don't have to sleep with the net. I sleep, ah. I can sleep with the windows open and the nets because we do not have mosquitoes in England but because it's too cold. They don't like the cold, right? And so there are things that grind you down as a missionary. There are things that grind you down living amongst poverty, right? There are things that grind you down when the healthcare is not great. 
here. And people are dying when it should be easy to have them saved, but the surgery is not available for them here. Whereas in the UK, the surgery is free and available. We do not pay for the doctors in the UK, it's free. Because we have paid our tax, and that pays for the doctors. So there are many different things that you face that I am not facing. And there are things that I struggle with that you are not struggling with. We're all very different, but we all have our own life and struggles. But James is telling us, and I'm encouraging you right now, to have consistent faith. Even when it's hard, even when it's really easy to quit, stay strong. Be a man of God, a woman of God. Be faithful to the Lord. Trust his plan. Trust tomorrow is coming. Trust the promise is coming. Trust the prophecy that it is accurate from God. It shall come to pass. Trust the destiny and the plan of God upon your life. Keep on. Hold on. If you're sick, believe God for the healing. If you're oppressed, believe God for the deliverance. If you have no food, believe God for the bread. If you are feeling sad, believe God for the joy. If you have no peace, trust God the peace is available to you through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Do not be like many are like, where they are backwards, forwards, up and down. Consistency. Consistency. Keep on. Stretch your faith. Trust your Lord. He is a good father. He is a good God. He knows the plans he has for you. They are to do good for your life. He is not going to leave you when life is hard. He will hold your hand. He will walk through it all with you. He does not turn his back on you. He is a good father all times and in all ways. Amen. And so, Lord, thank you for this letter, this chapter that encourages us to have consistent faith, to be strong, to endure the tests and the trials of life so that power could be stirred up within us. So, Lord, even here this morning and those listening on the podcast that might be struggling, they may be facing mental health or sickness in their body or financial problems or marital problems or personal problems. Holy Spirit, even now, would you stir up power within us as a church and within your people to overcome, to endure, to keep on going, to never quit, to stay faithful to the Lord, to build the muscle of faith. Holy Spirit, would you help us to be a consistent people, not an ambivalent, unstable people, tossed around by the wind, driven around by the sea of life. Help us, Lord, to remain in you, to be faithful to you, to develop great character, overcoming adversities and overcoming tribulation. Lord, make us like you. Help us to remain like Jesus remained through the trials, through the tests, through the wilderness, through the persecution, even through the crucifixion. Help us, Lord, to be strong in this generation, to be the church that is powerful and effective, that does not quit, but remains in you. Help us, Holy Spirit. Build us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen.